You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noel Hereski-Schneider. This is WFHB Local News for Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Later in the program, WFHB News speaks with Nola Hartman, co-founder of the Bloomington Mask Drive, who provides clean, high-quality, homemade fabric masks to residents in Bloomington and Monroe County free of charge. More coming up in today's feature reports. Also, coming up in the next half hour, we have Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. More coming up following today's feature report. But first, your environmental news brief. From WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Wednesday, August 25th. I'm Nathaniel Weinsaffel. New research out of Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, has a goal of understanding and then implementing insects into human diets. Due to overpopulation and climate change, the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization expects agriculture to fall short of feeding the world by 2050. According to the research, the raising of bugs could help feed livestock as well as feed humans. Unlike the rest of the world, the people of the United States are not used to eating insects due to the large amount of land area and water supply for agriculture and livestock. The new Center for Environmental Sustainability through Insect Farming at IUPUI hopes to find insects that can be farmed and are nutritious and safe. According to the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, the body of a black bear has been found in Elkhart County. The bear was found near a motorway and was greatly decomposed. The Indiana DNR believes that the bear was hit by a vehicle. This is the fifth black bear found, dead or alive, in the modern history of Indiana. Black bears were once fairly common in the state before the Civil War, but between 1871 and 2015, there were no reported sightings. As bear populations grow in neighboring states, it is likely that Indiana will become a more common home for the black bear. The U.S. Department of Justice, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, and the Indiana Department of Environmental Management have recently come to an agreement to amend the 2012 Clean Water Act Consent Decree with the city of South Bend, Indiana. The amendment allocates more time to South Bend to further reduce and treat sewage in order to meet Indiana's water quality standards. This is all in an effort to prevent E. coli. Prior to the 2012 Clean Water Act, South Bend was sending 2 billion gallons of untreated human and industrial sewage into lakes and streams. With the amendment to the act, the revised plan in additional time should improve the public health of the South Bend area. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinsaffel. Governor Eric Holcomb has not given a COVID-19 briefing since July 30th. Since then, Indiana has seen hospitalizations triple. 
On Wednesday, the Indiana State Department of Health reported 5,037 new infections and 19 newly reported deaths. Over 2,000 Indiana residents are currently hospitalized due to COVID-19. The seven-day positivity rate stands at 10.9%, while its unique individuals metric shows 18.6% positivity. State data revealed that the Delta variant accounted for almost 98% of samples tested this month. Right now, according to the state's color-coded map, 62 counties are labeled in orange, 19 are in yellow, and 11 are in red. Zero counties were in the blue category. Meanwhile, Monroe County has seen 60 new positive cases and one newly reported death, according to the ISDH dashboard. Those between the ages of 20 and 29 made up one-third of positive cases in Monroe County. Hospital census data shows that the county has 104 patients hospitalized from the virus. The county remains in the yellow advisory level. The Center for Disease Controls and Prevention say that the best way to prevent the spread of COVID-19 is to get the vaccine, which is free and widely available. To find a vaccination clinic near you, visit ourshot.in.gov or call 211 if you do not have access to a computer or require assistance. The Monroe County Community School Corporation School Board discussed changing the procedure for determining when to close due to COVID-19. At the August 24th meeting, board member Aaron Cooperman presented recommendations from the RBBCSC COVID Monitoring Advisory Committee. Cooperman recommended that the school district look at the individual cases of COVID-19 per classroom rather than look at the overall percentage of positive cases. She said each classroom is unique and should be treated as an independent situation when determining if classes should close. Given the unique characteristics of each situation, we didn't feel that it was clear that the number of cases indicating a need to close would be the same in every instance. That's why we think it's important to go through these factors every time to make a determination rather than saying this is the right number to close every time. Board member April Hennessy suggested that more emphasis be put on contract tracing. She said finding and isolating positive cases early would be the optimal way to keep kids in in-person classes. So if our goal is to truly keep students in school and online, I would like to think about moving that contact tracing up so that when we have reports of sickness or illness in a classroom, we begin the contact tracing then and begin to notify those close contacts so that we can quarantine. I would rather quarantine a group of four or five kids for, you know, two or three days until someone gets a positive or a negative result than to not do that and find out later that the spread has continued while we were waiting for those tests. Hennessy requested the vote be tabled so changes could be made to the policy. Her motion failed. Board members voted to approve the policy. The Monroe County Board of Health revised how the county is doing in relation to COVID-19. At the August 23rd meeting, they covered Indiana University students coming back to campus, the Monroe County mask mandate, and the potential for a third vaccination shot. Kirk White, co-chair of Indiana University's Bloomington's COVID response unit, shared how IU has done preparing for COVID. He explained that IU is giving out masks, testing, and requiring vaccines, in addition to establishing ways for students to quarantine if they contract COVID. Board member Ashley Craner expressed concern over students who were unvaccinated or had been exempted from the vaccine. White assured the board that the students who have received exemptions from the vaccine are receiving weekly mitigation testing. 
Board member Celinda Leach also expressed concern that the students at IU and some Monroe County residents aren't aware of the mask mandate. I know there was a story that I saw this this early this week, and they had a sign, but it says it's recommended. And then when at the door, a, a member of the public walked in and said, do we have to wear masks? And the person that was manning the door said, it's recommended. And that they, the, it said, see, we follow CDC guidelines, which recommend. And it's not a recommendation, it's a mandate. Legal counsel Margie Rice shared her experience with mask compliance. She was overall positive about how Ellettsville and Monroe County as a whole have been doing with wet mask wearing. The town of Ellettsville did not vote on anything. They did not say that they weren't going to comply with the mask mandate. Um, and so she and I think are like-minded and she knows that we're going to be enforcing the, the mask mandate in in the you know town of Ellettsville. So we haven't had a lot of compliance or problems out there, have we, Penny? Yeah. One of the things I think... Um, you know, I've been a municipal lawyer long enough to know that sometimes I live the, I live, you know, I live it all day long and then I'll read about it in the media and it doesn't have any semblance of just, it's not anything like what I lived in real life. And so you have to remember that, that what you might read in social media, what you might read in the newspaper, and this is not a criticism of any the newspaper, I'm just saying, it doesn't capture, always capture the nuances that you get in in real life. And so um, I, we, in fact, I, I want to just emphasize, we've had very good luck with our Monroe County residents and our businesses and, you know, our university. We've just, I want to continue to say we've had very few problems, really. The Board of Health also discussed the potential for Monroe County residents to receive a third vaccination shot. Health Administrator Penny Caudill explained that they aren't yet sure what the booster shot would be, but that they are working on it. The next Board of Health meeting is scheduled for September 8th. Now it's time for your feature report. Up first, WFHB News Director Cade Young spoke with Nola Hartman, co-founder of the Bloomington Mass Drive about the organization's need for more volunteers as Monroe County residents are again required to wear face coverings in indoor settings. Hartman talks about how the Bloomington Mass Drive has provided free masks available to the public for the last year and a half, and how they try to meet the demand for face coverings in light of the new mask mandate. We turn to News Director Cade Young for more. So Nola Hartman, co-founder of the Bloomington Mass Drive, welcome to the WFHB Local News. I'm glad to be here. So Nola, first off, would you walk me through the premise of the Bloomington Mass Drive and some of the work you've been doing for about a year and a half now? It all started on the Ides of March in, in 2020. I got a call from from um, a friend whose mother is a pediatrician in Southern Indiana who was desperate for masks. And she'd found a, a great pattern and did, and uh, so they asked me if I would start making masks. And uh, I've always 
been a sewer, a quilter, a costume maker. So, you know, making masks is right in my skill set. So sure, I'll make masks. And, and uh, by March 20th, the demand was just overwhelming and I was having a hard time keeping track of who needed what. And um, so I met up with Kelly Clark, who had all the organizational skills. And so she and I founded Bloomington Mask Drive. Which, which, by the way, I just wanted to say, uh, if you hear some background noise to our listeners, Nola is in the middle of making masks right now. So, um, you know, she she's ever busy and she's taking the time uh, while she's working to, to speak with us. So we, we thank you for that, Nola. But the next question, the local mask mandate is now in effect uh, for all Monroe County residents in, in all indoor settings. So that means there's, again, a higher demand for face coverings here on the local level. So how have you folks at the Bloomington Mass Drive managed to deal with this increased demand for, for masking? We uh, have put out a call for more fabric and for more volunteers, and uh, I'm sewing day and night. And other people are here sorting and, and making masks and, and uh, getting materials ready for other people who are making them. Um, we're, we're pedaling pretty fast, but we're, we're barely keeping up. Now, the Bloomington Mass Drive offers free masks at a variety of locations across Bloomington. Would you walk me through some of those locations? Oh, good. I'm glad you're not asking me to come up with all of them because there are eight. Um, there's one outside Endrite East in the mall. There's one at the library. That's very heavily used. There's one at Hopscotch Coffee. There's one at Luddy Hall. <laughs> And I've just been presented with a list. Um, there's one at, at uh, Comfort Keepers. There's one at Wheeler Mission. There's one at South Central Community Action Program. And did I say Hopscotch Coffee? We also have some masks in little free pantries around town. Well, any of those location folks, you can you can get a free mask uh, courtesy of the, the Bloomington Mass Drive. Now... A little more generally, with COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths trending upward, and as the Delta variant continues to surge, would you touch on just the importance of wearing a mask? It's obvious from, from the fact that we had so little flu over this past year that distancing, hand washing, and masks are very effective. Um, our masks actually come in packages of two, and they are are laundered. They're they're put together with with clean procedures, so they there is not going to be any problem with with anything from our masks. And you know, since we know that now that COVID is passed by aerosols, these masks will keep things out of your face and out of your nose and out of your mouth if you wear them properly. The Bloomington Mass Drive offers a variety of masks based on how at risk some folks are, as I understand it. So would you walk me through the kinds of face coverings you offer? We have both lined and unlined masks for adults. And uh, they, the, the lined ones have layers of fabric and a layer of interfacing, so they provide more protection. Um, the unlined masks are, are good and for, are a little bit easier to breathe. And in the summertime, they've been quite popular. 
Um, and the other masks that we offer are children's masks. So they are a smaller size and they are not lined because all we can do for them is, is get them protected. And uh, we also, at Wheeler Mission, we have some other masks. We have some masks that are made of surgical drapes um, that provide good protection for people in a medical setting or, or actually anybody who wants them. And uh, they're very effective masks. And we also have some window masks so that your mouth and lips can be seen so that people who need to read lips can see your face. So the Bloomington Mask Drive, as you've outlined, relies on the work of volunteers. So if folks are interested in helping out, what's a good way for them to reach you? We do have a website, Bloomington Fabric Mask. We are here at Andright Wednesday and Friday from 2 to 6. People can drop in. You know, we have email. We have a, a phone number, Bloomington um, Quilters Guild site. That's another way to reach me. All right. And then on that subject, um, you know, would you touch again on on the, the need for, for more volunteers in order to keep things going at the Bloomington Mass Drive? We are really shorthanded for volunteers. Uh, people can come in here and they don't need to to be sewing. There are sorting and packaging jobs. And uh, sometimes we need people to cut elastic or do simple things like that. Um, of course, we, we value the people who can sew, but there are just lots of jobs that we can do here. And they're just darn nice people to hang out with. So, you know, people have been feeling isolated. The, this is a good, safe place to come. We, we are wearing our masks. We're taking your temperature when you come in. So, you know, it's a, it's a good place to be. Nola Hartman, co-founder of the Bloomington Mass Drive. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks. Thanks for calling. For more information, you can visit bloomingtonmassdrive.com. Up next, we have Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. Today, we present a classic edition of the radio column. The episode is titled Masks Unmasked, and it comes from the August 19th, 2020 edition of Better Beware. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish for more. Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Well, I bet you've got a supply of something you didn't have at all six months ago face masks. 
I do, and I wear them all the time. I mean, I don't wear them when I'm home or walking around my yard or driving alone in my car, but I do wear one any time I'm out and around people. It's not just about protecting myself. It's about reassuring other people, like the elderly couple I saw at the grocery store, and keeping others safe. You can be infected with the COVID-19 virus and spread it around without ever knowing it, and I don't want to be responsible for putting somebody else in the hospital. And now, there are more kinds of face masks out there than you can even count. Disposable, reusable, fancy fashions bought online, homemade masks from all kinds of materials, and not all of them actually work. The whole point of a face mask is to block tiny particles which can contain the virus and spread through the air when you sneeze, cough, sing, or even talk. Doctors, hospitals, universities, and companies who make surgical equipment have been testing all kinds of face masks. You can find detailed results with a quick search online, but here's a summary of what they agree on. Folding a bandana and wrapping it around your face does not work. Don't do it, and steer clear of anyone who does. The neck fleeces or gaiters that some runners have been using are worse than no mask at all. They break large particles into smaller ones that remain in the air longer. Knitted fabrics are really bad, sorry grandma, and can even get worse after washing and drying and a single layer of almost any substance isn't nearly as good as a double or triple layer. Now those disposable surgical masks, blue on the outside, white on the inside, you've seen them and they're widely available now, those are very good, even if not very stylish. Homemade masks can work quite well if they use the right materials. Polypropylene synthetic fabrics are among the best, but cotton can do the job if there are three layers closely woven. Here's a simple way to quickly test any mask, pass or fail. First, hold it up to the light. If you can see light coming through holes in the fabric, that's a fail. Second, put the mask on and try to blow out a candle or match. If the flame goes out, throw the mask out too. Third, put a drop of water on the outside of the mask. If it beads up, you're good. If it's absorbed and makes a wet spot, danger Will Robinson. Finally, of course, any mask has to fit well and cover your mouth and nose. There's a lot more information available online. Check it out before you make your own mask. Stay safe. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Nathan Weinzaffel, Cade Young, Noel Herhusky Schneider, and Jake Jacobson in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cade Young. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. 
For WFHB, I'm Noel Horesky Schneider. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at WFHB.org. Stay tuned for Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 